Hey, what's going on? It's Kyle Cruz, and listening to the KC at the Movies podcast for September 28th, 2018. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a while. When was the last one? Probably the fucking 26th of July, wasn't it? Probably around there, late July. Um, listen, yes, it's been a while, and uh, there's a reason for that. Um, just been uh, settling in back into... Uh, back into Newcastle, um, just living here for a while until I get back, uh, at, get back into Sydney, uh, but the good thing is, I've, uh, found myself a job, and, uh, I'll be working, I'm working at the, uh, the, at the local race course, and, um, and that's something for a while, looking for another job as well, just for some weekly income, but, you know, that's, that'll do for a while, it's actually, uh, it's already provided, you know, pretty much paying for all the bills so far, so that's good. That's that's at least what you want, doesn't it? Um, so that's pretty much the reason why. Pretty much, I was fucking MIA throughout August. Um, was I was uh, pretty much sorting everything out, just settling back in, and uh, didn't want to. There was really there was there probably was time to record a podcast, but I just wasn't either. I wasn't up to it, or I just didn't feel I was you know ready for it. So that's the reason. Uh, sorry about that. Um, but that did not stop me from watching movies in August, and I watched some great ones in August. Um, now if you follow me on Instagram, you'll, uh, you'll know that I do, um, every, every month I do a top five. I've started doing something to that, I think I started doing that in April, was it? I don't know when. I'm not going to check my Instagram right now to do it, but I started doing a top five, um, to get, you know, to get these, these kind of movies out, um, because some of them are quite kind of like, you know, no one's really heard of them, and um, it's good to get these movies' attention because these are made by some really you know, great and creative people. Um, and I did, I just did my August top five, uh, well, actually, I didn't just do it, I did it a while ago, but I just did my monthly recommendation for September, which is what I'll be talking about later, it's Hearts Beat Loud, by, um... Brett Haley. I think it's Haley, isn't it? I've got my little notepad here. Oh, yeah, I've started taking a... Uh, things are getting serious in the podcast. I've got a little notepad now, and uh, it's got pretty much all the, no- <laughs> all the notes in it that I need to uh, look at. Because I found that I was, like, trailing about different... You know, going in different tangents and stuff, and then, then I know some people do like the tangents, but uh, I like to stay on topic because that's how we go over time. We want to stay at least under an hour. And I can't really guarantee that this one's going to be under an hour because I do have a lot of movies to talk about and to give attention to. Um, so that's that's this will probably be an exception for the to going over an hour because um, I've got August movies to talk about and I've got pretty much all of September to talk about since we're nearing the end, about the 29th of September, and uh, my top five will be going out in a couple of days' time anyway, because um, I've pretty much got those sorted. Um, I just have to... My number one is what is... Actually, it, it was hard, because um, September was actually... A, the latter end of September was a great month. Um, I'm not saying all this was bad, but the latter of September just really just came out of nowhere. Like, September was like kind of went to a slow start, and then just the fucking last half of it was just... Blew me away. So, um, I just want to quickly talk about some August movies that I did see. Um, and then we'll get to September. But, um, 
you know, long time no, long time no listen, I'll say. <laughs> uh, hope, hope, hope you're doing well. Hope you're watching great films. You're probably going out. Uh, make sure you're going out to the movies every week to, you know, pretty much check out the new releases, but also check out the uh, great little indies that have been coming out as well. Um, a lot of a lot of indies as well I've noticed have been hitting digital quite early, so um, you can really pick those up um, uh, earlier than you think. So I've got what did I watch in August? I've got all these in August to talk about. Oh my god, quite a bit. <laughs> I'm gonna quickly run through all these and then we'll get to um, September. So I want to start off with uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, again, done by, written and direct, done, directed by, uh, Christopher McQuarrie from, because he, he did Rogue Nation. I'm a, uh, pretty big fan of the, um, I'm a pretty big fan of the Mission Impossible franchise. Uh, one is great, two is dog shit. Uh, I'm not really a fan of two, but three, when J.J. Abrams came in, that was, uh, that was pretty much, cr- it, was, it was crazy, it was like action-packed. Four, probably still the best... Maybe the best, uh, perhaps, I'm still a bit, um, you know, I'm, I'm still a bit, uh, conflicted with what is actually the best of the series now, because, uh, this movie was incredible. <laughs> yeah, stunts-wise, action-wise, um, story can be a bit, you know, run by the numbers, um, like Mission Impossible is, but we come, I come, I come to Mission Impossible to see some fantastic action, and actually, um, great-looking action sequences. Um, I just got fucking... My computer's fucking doing this thing where it turns off. I'm also giving a bit of a trial run on the, on the new laptop. I uh, purchased the new laptop quite a while ago, actually, quite a while ago. Um, but I haven't really tested out the podcast on it yet, um, or recording on it yet, so I've started doing that. Um, I did run a, ran a few tests today. It went really well, and I've just been um, fiddling with it beforehand as well, and it seems to be doing fine because the silver laptop has fucking shit itself, so... There's that. Um, just trying to get. I'm just going to sort this out, and then I'll get to the, to the mission possible. Um, you know, it keeps doing this thing where it, it, it's turning off. Um, yeah, it's, it's it turns off after a while, so you get parents I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, I don't want that to happen. Um, uh, unless I'm touching it. Um, oh no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't, please don't do that. Uh, battery power. Let's just, let's just do three hours for now. <laughs> it's a bit excessive, but I'll change it back after the podcast is done. Because it keeps going out after I... Um, it keeps going out um, while I'm recording. So that's pretty annoying. So we've got the whole... The gang's back again. We've got Tom Cruise. Um, uh, he's back. Simon Pegg as Benji Dunn is back. we got Ving Rhames as Lufus... Um, Stickle, he's back, and we have uh, Rebecca Ferguson as Ilsa Faust. She's back as well. Um, and I really, she was a part of Rogue Nation that I really enjoyed, and I hope her character would make a return here. Um, I thought they could could do a bit more with her, but um, I was pretty much satisfied with what I got with Ilsa in the in the movie because um, she's actually quite of a one of the new characters that I actually really in, really enjoy watching. Um, the stunts, what can I say about the stunts? Uh, they're amazing. Uh, the, you've got the motorcycle chase in Paris, which is just 
fucking insane. And then you've got the big one, the helicopter sequence at the end of the film. Um, now I'm going to, I know these movies are like, this is, this movie is like, if, if you're listening in North America, it's probably like, uh, I think, I think it's came out the 25th of July or something like that. Australia came out about August 6th, 6th or 7th. So I'm not going to, we're like a, maybe we're like, we're nearly like two months behind, but I'm still not going to give any spoilers for any of these movies that I'm going to talk about, um, on this podcast because, um, it'd just be unfair. And, um, if you're a listener and you want to, you haven't seen these movies yet, you want to know about them. I don't want to like spoil anything for you. I need you to, you need to discover it all for yourself. But there is, but I will say like, there might be like some minor things, but I really don't consider them spoilers because if you've ever watched the trailers or, uh, you know, it's what you come to expect when you watch these movies. You come to Mission Impossible franchise to see these great action sequences, uh, expertly filmed, uh, choreographed, and this is what you know. This is what you come to see. Tom Cruise kill him, nearly kill himself on screen. <laughs> this time around, breaking his ankle when he's jumping from a building to building. And uh, my God, that was, yeah, that was that was in, that was in the movie. That was in the movie. Um, a little bit. A little bit different. Um, you could consider this this a minor spoiler, but it's 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 in the movie. But it's a little bit different. Like they use a different shot after the um, actual uh, scene where he does break his ankle. They use a different shot, so it looks like he hasn't. They've just gone to a different uh, day. But I believe that um, because in the trial they show the full take. I'm, I believe, and then in the movie they go from they go from wide to about uh, a tracking shot in from in front, and um, I'm I'm pretty sure he is he's still got his ankle broken there because he's limping a lot. Um, I was in the cinema with my friend, and he was he was saying that maybe he wasn't, maybe they just didn't did a different day. Could be true. I don't know. There you go. I don't really <laughs> I don't know much about that, but just I don't know. Everything in this movie is. It's just so exhilarating. This is this is an action franchise that is is just going to be hard to go up against because every film just steps it up every time, and that's this is what you come to see these movies for. Um, so, fantastic for a six film in, in a franchise. I have to say this movie fucking blew me away, and um, if there's a seventh, Tom Cruise might actually kill himself, but doing. The, because I don't know how you're gonna, I don't know how you're gonna top the final stunt in this movie. I don't know how you're gonna top that because that was just like nail bitingly crazy from beginning to end. Uh, edge of, in your seat action. If you want to come, if you want to watch a film where you're just like shit, this is actually happening because these when you're watching this a certain action scene and then you're you know you watch something like um, Taken Three for example or Take Three. In. Um, you think of the 13 cut, uh, of the 13 cuts of the, um, of Liam Neeson jumping the fence. And if that infuriates you, uh, you get to see everything that Tom Cruise does in this final sequence in, to do with a helicopter in a, uh, let's just say a mountainous location. And, um... It's just exhilarating. It's ex- it's just exhilarating. It's that is the best word for it because you just want more. You yearn for more, and you want to see more of it. And they're doing the best of their abilities. But what they can achieve and what they can do with these films, they are doing the best here. And like I, that's just it's admirable to to have have that. So again, as a sixth one of the franchise, amazing. Um, 
Ghost Protocol, I think, is still, maybe still the top. But I might put that second in front of Rogue Nation because Rogue Nation was fun too, but oh, the fucking stunts in this movie are just insane. Um, so I maybe would go Ghost Protocol, then this, then Rogue Nation. Um, something like that. If I had to rank all the films, don't know actually. Don't know how I'd do it. And don't maybe do it. Don't know if I can ask me to do it because I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, great. Check it out. If you're a fan of the Mission Impossible franchise, you're going to love this. Um, and if you're not, maybe start at one. Don't start at six. Because we had some people in the cinema that actually just came in just to watch this and didn't know it was the six of the um, of the franchise. Even though it's called... Well, actually, it's just a subtitle Fallout. But, you know, do some reading. So that was like really good. Check that out. Um, what's next? Oh my god, okay. Uh, First Reformed by... Written and directed by Paul Schrader, who wrote Taxi Driver as well. It's got... Um, Ethan Hawke in it. It's got Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried, however the fuck you say her name. I go with Seyfried. Um, I think it's... I think it's... People call it Seyfried, though. But, you know, I don't really... You know, I just go with what I call <laughs> Um It's... It's an A24 film, and if that's enough to get you on board, well, there you go. Then that's all you need. Um, because right now, pretty much what everything that A24 has done, I'm watching, even if it's bad, because there are a few duds that they've done so far that I would consider I consider just them A24 duds because you've got so much greatness in the A24 filmography um, that there is going to be those... Um, uh, those uh, least, uh, I guess I don't know. I can't really think of a fucking word for it, but they, just just not a, not at the par of what you expect from A twenty four. When you when you hear A twenty four, you think, okay, indie indie, obviously independent, uh, maybe a well known director, maybe a lesser known director, and just making a, such a unique, uns like never like seen. Um, unmatched, I guess. Then, like it's, every time you go to watch an A twenty four film, you just get you just get nothing like you would expect any everywhere else um, in terms of like mainstream cinema and blockbusters and all that stuff. And they also just got great stories, great characters, great character studies, and that's what you come to A twenty four for. And First Reformed is another notch on A twenty four's belt because it was my it was my August uh, monthly recommendation. And it's there for a reason. Ethan Hawke's probably his best performance of his whole career. Um, I love the 4x3 ratio. It's, I think it's done really well in terms of um, uh, examining that character and how isolated he feels from the world and how he feels that... Um, how, he, how he's finding it difficult to cope with what is happening in the world and with these natural, um, I guess... Uh, worldwide... Oh, I don't know what to, Issues, I guess? Uh, problems? Um, he feels hopeless at times. He feels desperate, trying to find answers at all points. He's um, he's he's tormented, fragile at points. Uh, it's just a great performance from Ethan Hawke and a fan, just so well directed from uh, Paul Schrader. Written as well, the script is just uh, it's it's great. The conversation in this movie, uh, especially the conversation with the boyfriend of I mean, it's, I forget. I think his name's Paul. I think. 
Um, that first conversation with him um, really, really was well. It was, it was great. And um, there's, a, there's a fantastical scene about halfway through that's going to stick with me for the rest of the year. Holy shit, it is. And the end of the film is what pretty much solidifies what this character is. This um, His character, um, Ernst, Reverend Ernst Toller. Um, who it is. And uh, I just thought it was just one of... It's one of the best films of the year. Um, it probably will be in top 10. And I can't wait to like watch it again and, and rediscover it again with uh, mates. So definitely, definitely check out First Reformed. It was my August monthly recommendation. Um, and pretty much every all of my monthly recommendations, I really want you guys to really check out because these are films that are probably getting not really talked about that much, but should be in the conversation. Um, even for award season, I think, I think Ethan Hawke should be maybe at least nominated. I think, or even in the talks of being nominated for best actor because this performance is it's so. Uh, it's, it's like it's tortured it's uh quiet it's uh, still you know but there's just a such an um emotional vulnerability to his character that I just was encapsulated by um watching it so you gotta watch that it's a slow burn so it's not for everyone it's a very very it's a slow burn <laughs> when I say slow burn it is a fucking slow burn and some of the A24 films are a slow burn. So you're trying to get that. I'm talking about The Vich. The Love Vich. Or The Witch. <laughs> or It Comes at Night. Um, in terms of horror, those are slow burns. But also in terms of films, they're just a slow burns as well. And First Reformed is another um, slow burn. So do check out that one of the best of the year. Um, after that, I watched, um, I watched Tag... And uh, that was just a, you know, it was a fun little, fun little comedy. Um, I thought the best part about it was uh, the scene with, one of the best parts was the scene with uh, Tom Middleditch. Is it Middleditch? Is that his name? I think it's Thomas Middleditch. Um, I fucking know his name. He's that that scene was pretty funny, um, and I just like the the I like how the tag sequences were kind of film like action sequences, and that was just really I don't know it was really it was really cool. I'll, I'll say that there's not really a, a word or a term I can use for it. I just thought it was really cool. Like I actually said like that's that's pretty cool <laughs> to my uh, mate while watching it. Um, so that's tag. Um, it's a, it's another. It's not one of the best comedies of the year, but it's one of those. It's like an enjoyable one. It's only an hour and a half. You just chuck it on. You want to have some fun and see some really cool um, uh, and really uh, uniquely filmed kind of action sequences that are just a game of tag. But it's done with uh, you know uh, fast mo, slow mo, um, a lot of tracking as well. Really cool. Really cool. And uh, I laughed at times, um, but I did I did like the chemistry between all the friends and everything. I felt it, and uh, this is based on a true story too. And to see it at the credits, uh, them actually playing the game, not as extreme as what I saw in the movie, but um, wow, it's it's got a good message of like, um, you know, like growing, uh, like you can grow up, but it's like always it's always good to you know have fun as an adult, have the heart of a child, I guess, um, you know, the kid inside you, pretty much when you're an adult. It's all that kind of message. It's got a good message about friendship as well. 
Um, no, I enjoyed it. Upgrade. This is uh, Leigh Winnell's new one. Um, you might know him from the Saw franchise and working with James Wan in Insidious. Uh, now, Upgrade's got not Tom Hardy, Logan Marshall Green, and um, he gets a a um, a, a chip. He becomes paralyzed and gets a chip put in him. Um, it called Stem. And it allows it, it it controls his whole body and there's problems from there and I'm not going to go any further. Um, this is a very very short film. This is about 80 minutes I think. Um, but it's 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 quite the action's like visceral but also hilarious at times as well. The way when Stem takes control, I thought it was really cool. Um, I, I wish the characters were a bit developed a bit more, um, especially with the girlfriend or the wife. Um, I just wish that was a better bit more, but it was great action, really cool action sequences. Um, that's what you go there for, really, to, to this movie, to see that. Um, and the way they were filmed was just awesome. Like, the way they were filmed was just, like, uh, great follow-up. Like, um, what an example I can probably say, talk about. Uh, there's, a, there's a scene in a uh, lounge room where he's fighting, I'm pretty sure it's a living room or a kitchen or something like that. He's fighting this guy. And he gets knocked on the floor, and then he tells Stem to take over. The camera follows him as he fucking comes up, like, like let's say he's like lying in like a coffin or something. Like you know those vampires that like lie in the coffin, and like you, you, you know, like old cartoons would have the vampire, and then he'd go, and then he'd like, yeah, you know, come out of the coffin and jump at someone. I guess. I hope you know what I'm fucking talking about. It's kind of like that, but the camera like follows him as he goes up, and it just stops like. The, perfect time and then the action takes over it's fucking brutal it's it's visceral it's uh yeah it's pretty bloody um pretty violent film like i don't expect anything less from leo and L, to be honest um but um maybe it might be probably not gonna be a top 10 but it might be on the like under the radar film list because i think it was a really cool little gem of the year i think i did did i include that in my uh, maybe it was an honourable mention, I think, of uh, of August. I don't think I put it in the, the top five of August because there's definitely some better ones. But um, if you want something, uh, if you like Weird Al, if you like the Saw franchise, if you like Insidious, uh, it's like not a horror film. It's more of a, I'd say it's more of a thriller, crime thriller. Um, but it's it's very violent. Um, you get a lot, you get a kick out of that. Um, and Logan Marshall Green, I thought was. I thought he, he's it was a good performance from him. I don't really, I don't really see him from much. But then I saw his face, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I've seen this dude before. And then um, I did some looking, and I have. Uh, he was in. Oh, I can't check it now, but he was in something that I had seen, and I was like, oh fuck, that's where he's from. He's not Tom Hardy, <laughs> because everyone keeps saying he's Tom Hardy. He's not. It's not Tom Hardy. Logan Marshall Green. That's his name. Um, and I'm going to keep an eye on that name as well because it's actually his performance in this movie was great, especially when he was getting controlled by Stem and everything because that's obviously not, you know, that's him doing all the movements and I thought that were really cool. Um, uh, the fluidity of his movements when he was with Stem and just the, the kind of, it was like kind of jarring at times as well because it, it was just like, it was all, it was, it was robotic because it's a, uh, a computer chip taking over your brain but, I just thought he pulled it off very, very well. Um, 
it's a little fun little movie. It's it's literally an 80 minutes. You can chuck it on. Um, it's a fun little movie to, to like, uh, pass the time. I thought it was cool. I wish it was my mama, she thought it was cool. And she's not really much of a, you know, kind of like my movies. Um, like the kind of movies I watch. She's not really on board with those ones, but she really liked this one. So much so, she went to bed. Uh, in the last 20 minutes, she had to go to bed. And then the next day, she watched the rest of it. So, I don't know. What does that say about my mum? I don't know. <laughs> but it doesn't say a lot about the film. So, that's Upgrade. Check it out. It's it's really cool. Um, American Animals is next. Um, this is based on the true story. It's kind of done like a documentary. There's interviews actually throughout, but it also takes... There's also, you see, the fictitious side of it, which is the film. Um, you've got Barry Keoghan in it. I'm pretty sure that's how you say his name. Uh, Evan Peters is in it. Um, I'm not too sure what the other actors are named, but I've seen the guy with the glasses. I've, I've seen him before. But um, it's about these four teenagers that plan to rob at the library. There's a, a book. I'm pretty sure it's... Uh, it was done by Darwin, I think. It's a very... I'll just say it's a very prestigious, giant, prestigious book. And it's worth a lot of money. I think it was worth $12 million, I think. And um, it's... Yeah, they... they um, it goes in like it, it you because it's a true story, so you know it's going to happen. But it's the way it ends is just it's very tragic. I think, very tragic. Oh, Blake Jenner's in it. That's who I forgot to say. Blake Jenner's in it from um you, you'll know him from uh, Everybody Wants Some, uh, Edge of Seventeen, which is uh, two great movies from there. Um, but yeah, definitely um, definitely do check out American Animals. Um. I think it's also like, it might be like just shy of two hours, but it's really, I've never seen anything like it. The documentary style mixed with the fictitious part of it, it being the film, you see the film play out, but like in segments, um, you see the um, actual interviews with the actual people who did this. And um, I thought that was really, I don't know, I've never seen anything like it, so I appreciated it. Um... Maybe it, it went on a little too long, I'll say. Um, that's probably probably maybe like one of the flaws in it. Uh, I'd say it was a little too long. Could have been a bit shorter, but I still had a lot of fun with it. American Animals. You can check that out. Um, I'm pretty sure it's coming out soon, actually. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, oh, like I'm going to talk a lot about this one, but I can't. I don't have the time. Hereditary. I finally caught Hereditary. Now I know it came out in June, um, but I caught it in August. <laughs> and um, I'm not a fan of horror films, but I recently I've been warming up to them and trying to watch them because some horror films are actually pretty fucking great, and um, just great films within themselves. Uh, I really liked The Quiet Place this year. That was a good one. I'd say it was more of a thriller, though. Um, there was a lot of jump scares in it. Um, which I'm not a fan of because I'm a little bitch. Um, I'm a sook. I'm a sook with jump scares. I've said it. I've said it before. I've talked about jump scares in the podcast before. I've ranted about them. I'm not going to go anywhere there again. But there are, you know, in the in the quiet place there were, and I'm pretty sure I did talk about quiet place in the podcast before. Right. Um, so, Hereditary is written and directed by Ari Aster. And it's another A24 film. What a fucking surprise. <laughs> it's got uh, Tony Collette, Alex Wolfe, 
um, Gabriel Byrne, and um, a newcomer in the uh, in the horror. She, you're gonna be looking out for her because she was fucking creepy in this movie. Um, Millie Shapiro playing um, uh, Charlie in the film. Millie Shapiro. She had a really unique face. I'll say that. Um, this movie is just, this movie is scary, but like not scary in a way where you're going to be like, oh, like that was, oh fuck, like this, this, cause this, this horror film, it should be talked about, but it's probably not going to be talked about as much because you have the mainstream, you know, kind of people that go to like to see horror movies like, uh, and expecting all these true, um, jump, jump scares and stuff like that. But this movie is more like a creep. It's like a creeping film. Like, things happen. Things just happen. And... I am sorry to put that in silent. Um, things happen in this movie that will probably stay with me and ingrained in my brain for a very long time. Uh, fuck. Um, there are things in the background of this film that are creepy as shit. And, um, I've had, I've had a nightmare about it already. And that I've watched this movie in fucking August, which is, you know, last month, but I already didn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't like the night, it wasn't a night like after, it was like maybe like a week after. And I like dreamed about, dreamed or had a nightmare about, you know, the things that I saw, the, uh, the little images that stayed in, burned in my brain from this film. Oh, uh, Oh man, it's fucking so, it's, it's well, sh oh, it's so beautifully shot too, it's beautifully shot. Tony Collette is incredible in this film. Um, I've never seen her like this before. She has to go through like so much like emotion. She has to just fucking let, just, she has to bear herself in this film. She has to just... Oh man, she, it's like a fucking journey with her. Like one minute she'll be angry, next minute she has to be she has to be scared, angry, fucking like sad, and all in different points of the film. She has to go to places where you don't, you wouldn't normally see in a horror film. But there's so much distress and uh, despair. Or maybe I'll use despair instead of that one. Uh, despair and just dread throughout this movie that. She, her character, if any, just carries the film, and I got—I have to mention Anne Dowd as well. She's fucking, she's creepy as shit. <laughs> oh, she's just. Whenever I saw her on screen, I just got this like this skin, skin crawling feeling. I was like, oh fuck, she's so, oh, she's so fucking weird, but she's a great actor. And I first saw her in Compliance, and um. She's in what she's in the Handmaid's Tale as well, I think. And uh, in this movie, she's just like, what? What? Every interaction with her character, I just thought was very, very, um, just like I was like, fucking stay away from her. <laughs> Every fucking time you saw her on screen, I was like, she's fucking bad news. <laughs> she's uh, she's bad news. And um, I'll let you discover what the film does with her. Um, but I'll just say this film is, it's more than a horror film. It's, it's, it's a family drama that is just the amount, 
I just can't find the words. Uh, the I'm not gonna hype it over. I'm not gonna overhype it too much. It probably sounds like I'm overhyping it, but you just need to go in this movie. Just don't watch the trailer. Just go in this movie and just fucking watch it. If you're a horror fan, watch it. If you're a fan of just drama in general, if you're a fan of just fucking great performances, watch this movie. Um, for Tony Collette alone, and I have to mention Alex Wolf as well. He was really, really good. I'm, I'm the amount of shit that happens to him in this film. Um, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he has like some sort of paranoia after filming this. Like fucking hell. But Alex Wolf is like, who, who thought the guy from the Naked Brothers Band would be in one of the one of my favorite films of the year? Um. <laughs> Who would have thought? Anyone watch that fucking show on Nickelodeon, The Naked Brothers Band? I um, I watched about two episodes and turned it off. I was like, this is just shit. Back to Cat Dog. <laughs> you know, or fucking um, Drake and Josh. That was my that was my show on uh, Nickelodeon. Drake and Josh. So hereditary, it's it's creepy, it's scary, it's there's like there's so little jump scares, but there's so many what the fuck moments throughout the film. It's so well worth it. It's it's well shot, it's well directed. And if you haven't checked out Ariaster's like short before this movie called I think it's called Meet the Robinsons. Oh Jesus Christ, it's on YouTube, check it out. It's fucking creepy as shit. It's not a horror, but it's very just wrong. I'll just say it's wrong. Um, so do check that out. I cannot wait for the, his next film. It's like a Jordan Peele situation. I know that Jordan Peele's. I think I think he's doing Us, but he's also doing, being he's also being chosen to be the narrator of the new Twilight Zone. And Get Out was like a Twilight Zone episode, but a film. So it, what a great fit that would be for him. But I cannot wait for what Ari Aster does next. Is it a horror film? I, I think it is. I think it's a horror film. Um. Just like I'm excited for Jordan Peele, when after I finish Get Out, I'm very, very keen to see what Asta does next because this was just it just blew me away as a, as a directorial debut. Wow, another a very, very strong one at that, very, very strong one. Um, so check that out. Uh, Black Klansman is Spike Lee's new film, and uh, it's got John David Washington, which is Denzel Washington's son, who I gotta say. Is brilliant in this film. Love him. Adam Driver, brilliant in this film. Uh, this film was hilarious. I got to give it to Topher Grace as well <laughs> as to being the uh, the the uh, what is it? The uh, Grand Wizard or the Two Clocks Clan. But he's now. Was, I think it was like the national director or something like that, or the uh, the, the something director when that we wouldn't call him. But you know, he's the Grand Wizard, Two Clocks Clan, David Duke, Topher Grace. Got to give it to him for that. He was, fan- he was fantastic as David Duke. I know he got a lot of death threats after, I think. But, um, you know, deserve... Um, I mean, doesn't deserve it, but what he, the way he acts in this movie is, you know, you're David Duke. You're going to get death threats. You're going to get shit from people who obviously have a grudge for the Ku Klux Klan, um, which I imagine will be a lot of people. But um, he was, it was just great in this film. Uh, John David Washington. Wow, I've I don't know if I've seen him before in anything, but holy shit, he blew me away. He was uh, as um, uh, fucking what's his what's his name? Uh, Ron Stallworth. That's his name. It's so this is actually based off a true story, which is about Ron Stallworth. He becomes a um, police detective, and he infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan. And he he is he acts as himself over the phone, but 
in person, he sends Adam Driver, I forget his name in the film, but he sends Adam Driver to be him in person, Ron Stallworth in person. So Adam Driver, Ron Stallworth in person, um, uh, John David Washington, Ron Stallworth, is himself on the phone talking to David Duke. And the conversations, especially the conversations he has with Duke on the phone, <laughs> I was losing my shit. I wish this was my mate in the cinema. I was losing my shit at some of the shit they were saying to each other on the phone and some of the shit that Stallworth would say back to Duke and just like the irony of them going back and forth and having that conversation and talking about, you know, the, the um, white superiority and everything was just <laughs> so great. Um, you've also got Adam Driver as well in this film who I just fucking love. I love him and everything. Um, ever since What If, love the man. And um, I still think What If is one of the best rom-coms ever made. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to say about that. Go to watch What If. Um, he's great. He is really great in this film, especially when he's dealing with pretty much the majority of the, of the Ku Klux Klan, um, with, especially with the guys that selected him. There's a one crazy guy that tries to out him at points. Um, I don't want to say anything, anything after that. But um, there's this one crazy, really paranoid dude that um, is like, doesn't like kind of hasn't hasn't uh inkling of what he if he means lying or not um and it's really interesting to see what happens there but adam driver yeah he was he was great um what i did like about this movie though it, it was it was hilarious it was definitely important to what we're going through in this time and time and day um day and age that's that's what i'm looking for day and age uh very very important what's going on right now um so I thought that was really cool, and the subtlety with that was really great, um, especially the conversations. You can tell, definitely tell that Lee ingrained that into the conversations of the film as well, uh, with Stallworth and, and many of the Ku Klux Klan, and him and Stallworth talking to his partner, who Adam Driver is. And, um, but, and, and what I also want to say was, I noticed that it really draws it. I liked how it drew drew parallels between the, I guess the. I'm gonna say the aggressiveness of the Black Panther, the Black Panthers, and also the, pretty much the aggressiveness of the Ku Klux Klan. They're just as. It looked like he was trying to say that they're just as bad as each other, and um, I thought that was. I thought how he did that was really well done, and I um, I talked to my mate afterwards, and we really we, we really enjoyed that aspect of it, and we really he picked it up as well, and he was just saying, oh, yeah, no, I, I did see that, I did see that, like, you know, they they're very radical as as they're as radical as the Ku Klux Klan because they do. And I'm not saying they're you know, I'm not saying it's like oh, fuck the Black Panthers, but I'm just saying that they're just as radical as the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, I'm not, and I don't think he was trying to say that Ku Klux Klan was, you know, better than them. But I'm just saying that they're kind of just as bad as each other. And I just want to—that's I just—I just picked that up, and I really—I just thought that was great. And I just really, really enjoyed the film. I was loving it. I was loving it until the end. I was loving it. I was just like top ten, top ten of the year, top ten of the year, until the end. Because at the end, he pulls a mother. And um. In my opinion, he pulls a mother. Now, you could look at this, what he does in the end credits, and say that this needed to be done. This is what needs to be seen. Um, it's very powerful. I'll say that's very powerful what he does in the end credits. But um, I just thought it was a bit too much. 
Um, now, I'm not I'm not saying that this is what what he shows is um, just like doesn't need to be you know shown, but I just don't think it needed to be shown after the film because I got the message. I got the message throughout the film, and I thought the subtlety was great until he just got the fucking sledgehammer and just went, bam! This is what's happening. And uh, I was just like, okay, all right, I get it. Like as well as watching Marvel when I don't know, I'm I'm saying that. Look, Marvel was worse than this. I'm going to say Marvel. Marvel's like um, aggressiveness of this of what Aaron Oscar was trying to say was just was worse than this. But this was kind of I was reminded of Marvel. I was just like, oh, this is yeah, that was that was too much. That didn't need to be said. I got the message. You didn't need to show that. I got it. I I know what's going on. And I'm I was I was I was honestly loving the film. I was loving it, loving it, loving it. Until yeah, just I just thought the end was just a bit too much. Um, and um, yeah, I'll just say that that that's that. Those are my thoughts. But still, a fantastic film. A great performance from John David Washington. <laughs> a great performance from Adam Driver. Topher Grace, shout out to you, mate. Fantastic. I cannot wait to see what John David Washington does next because when he, especially when he gets like raised his voice, he sounds exactly like his dad, and it's great. So I will, but I will say, like you need to, it's it's one of the funniest movies of the year. It's so fucking funny. Um, you so you definitely need to check that out. I'm pretty sure that was in my it was in my top five. I'm pretty sure it's number two. So definitely check that out. Support the girls now. I'm going a little bit quicker because I need to get through fucking all these movies. Because we haven't we haven't even got the September yet. We're we're still going for August. Holy shit. Support the girls. Um, now this one, I think this one played at Sundance. Or did it play at Toronto? No, no, not Toronto. Uh, South by. Maybe it played at South by. Um, so it's got Regina Hall, uh, Hayley Lou Richardson. Um, it's got that girl from Kimmy Schmidt, you know, the, uh, the sister, I think it's like Jan or something like that. Um, is it Jan? Is that her name? I don't know. She did the dark, the dark. Uh, she, she was like the golfy kind of girl and Kimmy Schmidt in this first season. And I can't really say like uh, what she is because I haven't really seen like from season two of Kimmy Schmidt. So I'm breaking up Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. I haven't seen from season two onwards, so I can't really. You know, it's not my position to say. Um. Well, I I don't really know. I don't know what a character is. I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's Zan or something like that. Uh, not not Jan. I think it's like Zan or something, but she's in it. The actress that plays her, she's in it because I recognise her. I was like, oh, that's fucking thing from Kimmy Schmidt. Um, what do I say about this movie? Um, fun, uh, fun. Love the message. Um, Regina Hall, great. My God, I, I was so happy to see the Regina Hall because she's a great actress and. And she's really good in supporting roles, so I was really glad to see that they gave her the leading role in this. And she killed it. She killed it as the manager of this store. I think it was Double Whammies, I think the name was. Um, now, this is like a month ago, people, so I'm trying to like recollect what I trying to, what I saw. Um, I thought she was yeah, really good as the manager. Strong performance from her. Um, she took no shit, and I just loved the character. Her character of, of the, um, the manager of this place. She has to deal with... Because the film is literally just a day in the life of this of this restaurant, and it's a, this. I'll just say this day is a little unique. This day is a little unique. Um, now, 
the reason I wanted to watch this movie was um, it looks it looks it looks good. I like Regina Hall, but I at the moment I'm loving Haley Lou Richardson. So I got straight onto this. I was just like, I gotta I gotta see this. But I came away loving Regina Hall more. I thought she was a fan. Just her performance was just great, and it was yeah. Hopefully she gets more leading roles because she can kill it. She can kill it, man. Um, but Haley Richardson was just like this really happy go, happy go lucky, um, carefree. I'll say that carefree kind of uh, girl. This place now. This double whammies is kind of like a, they're kind of like a bit of a hooters, but I never got the vibe. I don't know the way the film was. I never got the vibe that they were just like all these, you know, because you know hooters has this mad stereotype that like, you know, they're all sluts and they wear like very tight clothing and. Um, you know, they flirt with all the guys and everything. And, you know, there's, every time you think of hoodies, you're like, oh, let's not go there. That's where, like, you know, men that want to have sex or, like, uh, you know, horny old, horny old boys go to uh, eat some chicken wings. Now, I don't live in America, so I'm probably not correct about that. Um, but I'm just going to leave it in. Fuck it. But I don't know, I, I didn't really get that sense when I was watching this movie. I just thought it was a, a restaurant. They were doing what they wanted. They could wear. I mean, they the uniform wasn't really going, oh, that's like, you know, it's it's what they want to do. I, I, I kind of got like a, in, like uh, you know, we, we can do what we want kind of message. This is our restaurant. If you don't like it, get the fuck out. That's what Regina Hall's character was trying to like kind of convey to the um, viewer, I think. And um, I just had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the movie's called Support the Girls, so I thought it was going to be a very, um, I thought it was going to be very, uh, uh, let's just say, um, aimed at kind of like getting the feminist crowd pumped up, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, um, but, um, it didn't take that route, it actually just kind of went like a, maybe like a girls just want to have fun kind of vibe, and, um, it was really cool. And I really like the ending. The ending was really, really nice. Um, people have taken uh, they've taken issue with the ending. They thought it was a bit weak, but I thought it was great. I like, I really like the ending. And um, I've seen, I think I've seen it before in movies, but I just, I just, I was fond of it. I was fond of it, and I thought it was cool. Um, it's like you know, um, um, I'm not a girl, so I can't really say that. You know, maybe this is going to hit uh, girls and maybe in a different way. They're going to they're going to get a different message from it, and I think they're going to. But I I know for sure that they're going to you know um, at least be happy with the ending because it's just such a positive message. And um, I thought it was just I thought it was I thought it was well done. It's a nice quick one as well. It's another hour and a half film, so check it out. Uh, might be one of the underrated movies of the year. Support the girls. Do support the girls, though. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. How much we got left? Oh, my God. I got fucking... Oh, my God. I got 10 minutes left. We probably have to go... We're probably going to go over an hour. Uh, but not too much. I'm not going to go too much over now. Don't worry. I'll try and keep it on track. I didn't think I was going to talk about these August movies so fucking in-depth. Um... Right, um, this is the last kind of August movie I did see, which is Most Likely to Murder, which is Adam Parley's uh, new film. Um, now, I've got notes for this one. 
Yes, I have, I have notes. People, I actually have notes. Do you believe that? I haven't taken notes since... I've never taken notes. No. <laughs> no. Uh, probably the last time I took notes was fucking like when I was in uni, in, in Newcastle Uni. Um, like, I don't know. No, that's a fucking lie. I, did, I took notes in uh, film school. Let's just say I haven't taken notes in a very long time. Like, really, like, written notes. I'm talking about, like, written, written notes. Like, taking a fucking notepad and writing shit in a notepad. Because so I think I was doing most of the stuff on my phone and putting it into my memos. But actually writing into a notepad kind of helps me remember it all. I've heard that have, that works for some people as well. Like, the, if actually writing it down physically helps them remember it um, better. And it just feels good to write shit. Um... Yeah, different from writing on a computer or writing in your phone using a virtual keyboard. So yeah, most like a murder was you know it's nothing really special. Uh, some bits where I laughed a bit at it. I uh, had Rachel Bloom in it. Couldn't really stand her character though. Um, Adam Pally's character was okay. I don't know. I just didn't like the script and I thought it was predictable. Um, kind of boring at points. It's only an hour and a half movie, but it's yeah the pacing could have been a bit a bit better. Uh, yeah, not much to say about it. Don't really have to check it out if you don't want to. Fan of Adam Pally, maybe maybe you'll watch it. Um, but yeah, not really a recommendation from me. Now we can finally fucking move on to September. Jesus Christ. We can finally move on to September. And let's talk about one of the best films of the year. Holy shit. Let's talk about one of the best films of the year. Oh yeah. I want to talk to you guys about a film... Directed and written by Anish Chaganti, called Searching. I saw this film early September. I got an advanced ticket to it because I heard it was one of the best films that you really did check out. Um, I never, I didn't see a trailer for it because I didn't want to because I wanted to go in completely blind. Um, but I knew it played at Sundance and I knew it was a big hit at Sundance. And I heard that John Cho was good in it. I heard Debbie Messing wasn't it, but I, I, well, pretty much what I heard was John Cho was good. It was differently. It was well. It was well done. Well directed. Well made. Well edited. Um, so I was really interested to check this one out. Got an advance ticket to see this one because I didn't think this was gonna play in local cinemas, but it turns out it fucking played in local cinemas. So um, could have saved a bit of money, but um, ended up going to this one anyway. Got a little screening by myself. So searching. Wow, people. Um. Now, if you if you if you watched uh, that movie Unfriended, the horror film Unfriended, it's kind of like that because the whole film takes place on a computer screen, um, with an with an exception of like text messages and, and news coverage as well, but most of it takes place on a computer screen on this uh, either his daughter's computer screen, John Cho's character's daughter's computer screen, I think it's David, I think, and um, his computer screen, David Kim's computer screen, and Margot Kim's computer screen. Now, what is it about, Cos? He haven't fucking told us yet. Right. So, John Cho plays the father, David Kim, who um, is trying to find his missing daughter, Margot Kim. And uh, she... One night, she just doesn't reply to any of his messages, and then soon he starts the hunt because she is missing. So he goes searching for her. I was fucking just blown away by this movie. It was... 
I've never, I've never seen anything like it. And um, again, if you watch that horror movie Unfriended with the with all the computer shit, and it takes place on the computer screen, that was a interesting movie. It was different. Um, I liked it because it was different, and I never seen a horror movie like it. Um, but at points, like, the characters are a bit irritating, and it got to be predictable. Um, those are my issues with that film. But I still thought it was they could have they could go somewhere with it, and they finally did so go somewhere with it, and they did a murder mystery with it. And I think this is the best kind of thing you can do with this kind of thing called screen life, which has been, um, uh, the name of it comes from the producer of the movie because he wants to do a lot more of these, uh, screen life kind of films. And I think a murder mystery was the best thing you could do of it because it just worked out so well. And it was just so engaging. I was like, I was, oh man, I was like hooked like all the way through and it took place on a fucking computer screen and I was like it was honestly like it was feeling like uh, a Seven Zodiac like some Fincher classic Fincher films but uh, thrillers but taking place on a a computer screen like Windows 7 Uh, I think it was an Apple it was Apple I think Um, on a MacBook and um, I just thought it was just because the storytelling is so good that I just I was just I was never bored. I was never bored throughout the whole movie. Um, and my god, the editing! Oh my god, that would this would have taken forever to edit because there's so many things going on. And I've heard there's a fucking second movie in the background. There's another movie in the background going on. There's more things going on in the background, and apparently. It's like a whole other movie. So, my God. John Cho was fantastic. Uh, one of his best performances. Deborah Messing was great too. I thought she was great. Um, didn't really see much of his daughter, so I can't really say the performance was good because she's kind of like, kind of neutral. Uh, but it's all resting on John Cho's performance because sometimes you're just looking fucking straight at his face as he's like on the computer searching. Um, i got to say, a certain moment in this film chuckled, maybe chuckled a little too hard. Um, it's got to do with a Google search of Tumblr. And um, it was, it was it, I chuckled a little too hard at that one. <laughs> uh, so there was, yeah, some pretty, um, there was some humorous moments peppered throughout, but it was mostly very, very, uh, and such an engaging thriller. And, and being told from this perspective was unlike anything I've ever seen and worked out to be so effective in the way this story was being told. And it was just... It was cool. Um, One thing I probably would say my issue would be the ending. It was just the ending. Um, Didn't... It could have been stronger. Uh, It could have had a different ending, but... um, I'd say the searching was... The searching part of it was better than the result. I'll say that. Um, it was better than the result. Yeah, I'll say that. But my God, this is one of the best. This is one of the best of the year. Um, it probably will be in top ten um, when I eventually do make that list. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, I think it's still playing in cinemas, so do go check it out. Listen, if you're here in Australia, especially if you're in Newcastle. Uh, it's still playing in cinemas, so go seek it out. Um, 
yeah, don't, you can't miss this one. This one's fan, it's so fantastic. And this producer wants to do many more of this screen life stuff. I don't know how much this is going to be as effective as on an audience as he wants it to be for this, to make these many movies with it. But this one definitely stands out as one the best. So, searching. And Anish Chaganti, he, uh, wow. Cannot to see what he does next. Um... And I'm going to give it to his, his co-writer as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I can't really look up his name at the moment, but his co-writer, I'm going to give it to him as well because the script is great. Um, it's just the, I just had a problem with the ending. That's just, that's, that's just me. Um, and yeah, give, give it to the editing as well. Um, whoever the editor is, fantastic job, mate. I, I heard that the editing took two and a half years or maybe two years to do longer than making the film. Um, so, wow, such an effort. Because I think they did like an AMA on Twitter and uh, they did say the editing was like maybe two or two and a half years. So, fuck, what an effort. What an effort from an editing standpoint. It's still out. Go check it out. When it does eventually come out, watch it. It's one of the best of the year. Um, some people are going to like it better than others, but I really found it to be very, very um, impactful. <clears throat> What's bloody next? Uh, um, so I eventually got around to watching Skyscraper. Now, I was talking about Ocean Impossible Fallout earlier. And this is not how to do an action film. I'll just say that. Because this film was extremely disappointing. Um, it's directed by Rawson Thurber. Also written by Rawson Thurber. Rawson Thurber Marshall, is his name? Rawson Marshall Thurber? But um, he did uh, Weather Miller's. And Central Intelligence with The Rock and Kevin Hart is also apparently rumoured to do Where the Millers 2. So if you like the For the Millers, rumour is going around that Where the Millers 2 is being made. Or at least been written. Um, and that was more better that was better than this. In terms of writing, that was better than this because the script sucked in this film. Um, the Rock wasn't even that good in this movie. The Rock was even good. It was boring at points. I've seen it all before. It's a ripple of Die Hard. It's a ripple of uh, Towering Inferno. It's just, I don't know. And there's ways you can pay homage to it, but sometimes it just straight off steals from him. Straight off steals from him. Uh, just, the action's just so bland. Ugh. It was, ugh. <laughs> you know, that kind of film. Um, I just, just didn't have me. And uh, it was bad editing. Uh, not even the rock was. Not even the rock could save this one. And uh, when I was, because uh, I do follow the rock on Instagram, and uh, when he was really promoting this movie, and and the, the uh, photos were being um, shown, I was like, oh, this is this looks really cool. He's really passionate about this one. Now he was passionate about most of the films he's in, but this one he was really like pushing forward. Um, but I just got to say, fuck, what a disappointment. What a disappointment. So you don't have to watch Skyscraper. Uh, maybe watch Mission Impossible Fallout for a second time instead. Um, yeah, give it a miss. Not a good one. Moving on to Mandy. Oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, Mandy. Another one of probably another one of my top 10 of the year. Um... <laughs> Isn't September turning out to be great? <laughs> now, Mandy is uh, directed by P 
Thanos Cosmatos, I think his name is. Um, he did Beyond the Black Rainbow in 2010. You haven't seen that film. Um, but I've heard it's good. I've heard it's... But I've, I've only heard about... Uh, I've only heard about this one. And uh, this played at Sundance, apparently. And um, I heard it was... It was very weird. And I was very intrigued after that to check it out. Nick Cage is also a treasure to watch all the time. Mostly. Um, Andre Rising, 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 I think her name is Rising Bow, Rising Back. What's her name? Just I'll give her a quick because I don't I don't want to butcher her name. Andrea Rosenberg, I think her name is. Yeah, Andrea Rosenberg. She was great in this movie as his uh, girlfriend, wife, I think. She was great. Um, this is one of Nick Cage's best performances. This movie's insane, people. This movie is insane. Um, so it's about Nick Cage and um, his girlfriend, who's played by Andrea Rosenborough. And she gets taken by this cult. And he goes on a killing spree. <laughs> fucking... Just, ah, this movie is, uh, where do we start? Where do we start with this one? This movie is trippy as hell. Um, it feels like you take an LSD tab, but the LSD tab has been filled with steroids. And, uh, you just watch what, un like, uh, unfolds on screen. Um, you want a Nick Cage freak out a moment? You fucking get it. You probably get a couple of them. But there's one in a bathroom that really stands out. When he's uh, drinking like a whole bottle of vodka or something. Great. Uh, this is like, it's so ultra-violent, hypnotic. Um, there's so many great moments in it, like violent moments. Um, but at a point, it's very trippy. Um, it's And then it just explodes into this just crazy um, brain-melting finale. That is like, like it felt like the movie was like a fuse. Then you worked up to this just explosion at the end, and uh, not in the way of like a big building exploding, but like, uh, more like your head. You'll say your your head melts for like a candle. Um. So I say that, but it is a bit. It is it, it is a bit, a bit slow at points. Um, there are, I will say there, um, before he goes on like the little spree that, you know, you watch the trailers and you go, fuck it, this is what I'm going, this is what I'm here for. Before he goes on a little spree, it's a little slow. Um, he keeps the monologues in. I'm pretty sure this is based on a book. So he keeps the monologues in that are from that book. And, but he, he tries to uh, make them a little different by inducing the trippy trippiness and using a lot of visuals that, we're gonna fuck with your brain, I'll tell you that. Um, and the audio as well. Um, the, there's a scene in when she gets taken by the cult. There's a scene, which is one of the big monologues from the leaders. But I was just so enthralled by it because of how it used, you know, the, the visuals and and the LSD kind of feel. 
but also warping the audio, warping the, the cinematography, so like warping her face to make it look like his face and the way it was edited, cut. It was just a really well done sequence. It's a very it's a long sequence, it could have been a bit shorter. But I really, really, I really loved it the first time around. Now I haven't seen this film a second time, but um, when I watched it, I was just, I was, I always would go back to that scene. I was like, that is, that was awesome. There's some really great shots in it. Uh, the score by Johan Johansson is just uh, amazing. Let's just say that uh, a mind-blowing synth score. Um, really fits the film so well um i really like the first song to open the film as well i'm not sure that not too sure what that first song was but it's like an original song by someone so not part of the score but it was a, a song i thought was a really cool opening um but the same score by johan johansson is is definitely um fits the film so well fits the character so well fits the mood the vibe everything about this movie is just done if this is a director getting to do everything that he wants to do and he gets to fucking do it he, there's no interruptions. There's no, oh, maybe you should do that. Maybe you should do that. Maybe you should. We want more bums and seats. What about this? He's like, well, people want to be scared by this. This is this is like brazen filmmaking. He's like, well, I don't care if they think this is this is offensive or this is too violent. Fuck them. Let's put it in the movie. If uh, Nicolas Cage wants to fight a tiger, he's going to fucking fight a tiger. <laughs> um, not saying that happens, but... I'm just saying that this director pretty much got to make what he wanted to make, and this is a really great example of when you have when you have that conversation of creativity and if if it's um, if it's uh, let's just say if it's uh, restricted in the confines of Hollywood, this this film is an example of someone who didn't have those confines and just went nuts but also wasn't too crazy like Darren Aronofsky for example with Mother he but he he, had, he made something engaging um and just just like so frantic and it was just uh, it's just a fucking treat to watch even though it was one of the craziest films of the year um if you like Reffin Watch it. If you like Lynch, watch it. If you like Nick Cage, this is one of his best performances. Come on. In a while. Um, because he's been in some shit lately, but this is one of his best. And you get a great freak out moment from him. Andrew, um, Andrea Risenbro is, is really up and coming. Um, I, I'm really enjoying what she's doing at the moment. Uh, she's great in this, and she's great in some of the things I've seen her in. She's going to be a star to watch, I think. She's, yeah, she's great. And I can't can't wait to see. I actually have to go back to and watch the Black, Bill and Black Rambo now because this movie impressed me so much I need to check out his other film. And I really can't wait to see what um, uh, Panos Cosmatos does next. Because this, one of the best people. One of the best. Uh, right, so next up we have Johnny English Strikes Again. I uh, went to... actually saw this one last week, I think. I uh, went to the cinema with my mate, who has returned from the Canadian motherland. Um, so it was really great, her to have, great to have her back. And um, and we um, we would go to the movies a lot when she was here, and it looks like that's starting to happen again, so that's great. Uh, but that's not the point. 
The point is to go see movies and see if they are good or not. Um, and Johnny English has been a series that no, like if it's bad, I still enjoy it. I don't know why. I think it's Rowan Atkinson. I think he has something over me. <laughs> he's so he's so magnetic as this character. Um, I thought this was better than the second one. Um, it's still very funny. Relies on a lot of sight gags. Relies on a lot of slapstick comedy. Works so well. Rowan Atkinson again just fucking nails it as Johnny English. He's born to play this character because he pretty much is this character. Um, this is like this is honestly if Mr. Bean was a secret agent and could talk that's strong English um, I just thought there was a bit you know like it's pretty it's it's obviously pretty predictable um, with most of these films and the love interest was weak but I don't really care about that I came to see Johnny English do some fucking dumb shit <laughs> as an agent and be cocky about it as he does it and I got exactly what I wanted and I can't say that I wasn't impressed um, that I wasn't happy with what I got because I got exactly what I came for and uh, nice and short hour and a half better than the second one so I'll say that funnier I'll say that right here we go Sicario 2 or Sicario subtitle Day of the Sold Soldado is not directed by Denis Villeneuve it's actually, it's actually, <laughs> it's actually, I don't know, it's directed, I, uh, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should give this, because he still actually did a great job with this movie, um, maybe I should just quickly give him a search, quickly give him an old good old search, um, it's directed by Stefano Salima, never, yeah, I, I'd never heard of him. But it's written again by Taylor Sheridan, so that is what I was really impressed by. And it has Benicio del Toro back in it as um, uh, as uh, Alejandro, and Josh Brolin is back again as Matt Graver, I think his name is. And I liked both those characters as well as Emily Blunt's character in the last Sicario, because the last Sicario was fucking amazing. Um, so well directed by Denis. So beautifully shot by Roger Deakins. And the score by Johan Johansson. The chef's kiss to die for. It really fit the vibe and the feel of the movie. Like it was, it's just nearly a masterpiece, I think. So what is Sicario 2? Does it match up to it? Well, no, it doesn't match up to number one. But I will say it's a very, very solid sequel. Um, I was so I was still very very engaged and impressed with what I got here from Stefano, um, but still, again, it still has that great script written by Sheridan that really works. And um, just like his directorial debut in River, the tension still remains in this film, and very the bleakness stays. <laughs> oh boy, does it stay! The 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 uh, yeah, the, the tension just fucking stays with you. Um, so Benicio Del Toro as Alejandro is so great to see again um, he's still as great as he was in the first one he was just one character that pretty much stole the movie um, in Sicario 1 um, who remembers that dinner scene Jesus time to make God yep 
Um, so he was great this, great in this. Um, he had much more to do, maybe. I think, maybe, yeah, I'd say he much had more to do. This is this film is actually more violent, I think, than the first one. The first one was very bleak and very dark, and very just. Uh, it was it was it was just it left you just like empty afterwards, just like just like no hope. And uh, I think this used more violence in it. And I'm not going to say there was really action sequences, but it was just more violent. Um, more blood flying everywhere, some great... There's a really... Um, things happen that are just... Uh, yeah. Things happen in this movie that I was just like, oh, jeez. You feel like you want to have a shower after this because it's just so bleak. But it's, again, it's so well done that, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. Uh, again, you're like, you know, you're missing the directorial efforts from Denis and you're missing the cinematography of the Deacons, but I still think it's still really well done. Um, and I liked the issue that they tackled in this one. It's a completely different issue that they tackled from the first one. And I think that's the kind of the strength of the sequel is they actually did something different by using the same characters that we really enjoyed from the first one and just going for a different thing altogether. Whereas the first one was something like shady deals where how the US government gets things done to deal with illegal things with the cartel and everything and the tension of the, um, you know, of the cartels in Mexico and with America, the war, the drug wars. This kind of deals with the impact of um, that it has on um, like teenagers and children of cartel members, and also dealing with, you know, the aiding of terrorism. Um, and I thought the daughter, who I don't know who the girl was who played uh, Isabel. Uh, Reyes, who's Carlos Reyes's daughter, Carlos Reyes, the big drug kingpin in, in this movie. Um, because you have, I think you have the Reyes cartel and the Matamoros's cartel. Um, I believe those are two cartels. And what this film also does is what I thought was really, really cool, um, but also just like fucking sad. <laughs> um, is the way the the, like the way the US government tries to achieve what they need to achieve by doing things that would be considered just very immoral and the way they go about doing that thing is kind of again like to do a Black Kansman and the Black Panthers and the uh, Ku Klux Klan you know just as bad as what the cartel is doing or what they're trying to do with smuggling people over the border and getting you know doing whatever they can to actually achieve that goal we, as the, I can't really say we because I'm not part of the American, American people, but the, uh, this one side who, who believes they are the good guys will also do very immoral and um, unethical things to try and achieve their goals. And I thought the way the movie looked at both of those sides and how there's a little bit of a gray area between that and that they're not too different from each other was really, really well explored. And um, I thought that was one of the best aspects of the film. Um, especially you, pawning, like, like Isabel, Isabel Reyes, who is um, the, the little young girl, she's, uh, she's like a chess piece that the US government is using 
to try and get what they want. Now, the, their goal is to start a war with their, between these two cartels, but to do that, to actually use this child as a kind of, to have a tactical advantage to try and start, I mean, it's only a tactical advantage, but to, to have that be the catalyst by pretending to, you know, to I'm not going to say what it is, but for, for to doing what they do with this child, I thought was just like, I was like, whoa. I was like, that is some shady fucking shit. And um, sometimes I felt myself just like disagreeing with them and saying, well, that's just not right. You're not the, you're not the good guys. And that's what you're doing is not, you know, it's, it's, it would be considered a, a kind of uh, like extremely wrong, extremely wrong. But to get what they need to get, they are willing to do things that are very, very, very wrong in the public eye. Um, I'm going to get off that point because I'm still fucking rambling on about it. And I just thought that aspect of the movie was the strongest aspect. Um, this movie has definitely had, has more themes than the first one. The first one's kind of like a more of a straight through uh, simple story with great characters and great script. This one just dealt with a lot more issues. However, they were different but still dealt with a little um, little issues in between as well. We're talking about uh, grooming young men for to be hitmen, to be sicarios. Um, we're talking about using children as, um, you know, uh, pawns, really, to try and uh, achieve what we have been, you know, set to achieve where our orders are from the people that, you know, um, that are powers, that are powers, that have the power, sorry. And I just thought that was really, really good. Uh, this, is a, this is a very, very solid sequel. I was very impressed with this. I was very impressed. Not as good as the first one. It, 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 it has a slight hair because you've got Denis and Deacon's just fucking chef's kiss delivering that magic. Um, but this was very, very impressive. Very, very impressive. Um, and if they do a Sicario 3, and like I would, and, and maybe it's the same director, maybe it's a different director, but I really hope Sheridan stays off on a writer. If they do Sicario 3, I really hope Sheridan stays off on a writer. And the way, the way this movie ended, um, I think I was a little, I was a little iffy on it. I was a little iffy on it. It could have, I'm a bit mixed, I think, on the ending. But what I did like about the ending is that I think the people are going to, you know, fans of the first one are going to really pick this one up, is it plays, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, it pays good tribute to uh, Johan Johansson. It plays really good, it plays good tribute to him near the end. And um, of course, there's a message, the end in loving memory of Johan, in the end, as it is on Mandy as well, because he was a really great composer. He um, composed a lot of, um, he was one of the best. And um, Sicario is one of my favorite scores of all time um, because it captured the feeling of that movie so bloody well. And that's what it, I think that, that's what a job of a composer is to do of a, of a person who scores a movie is their, jo their job is to put you in the atmosphere of that film to get those feelings, to get those, um, to have that, you know, have that vibe hanging over you, to have you feeling that sort of way very effective and um, I just loved how they paid tribute to him in the end of the film 
Um, but yeah, guys, Sicario 2. Very, very solid. Um, and I think you'd, if, you, if you love the first one, you're really going to enjoy it. You maybe might enjoy it more. I just didn't. You might enjoy it more because it has more violence and it has more, um, let's just say, I'll just say more violent scenes. Um, because there's one near the end, I was just like, Jesus, <laughs> whoa. But, um, and, but it, you know, it had you, it had the same feeling I got after Sicario ended. And I think that's what, you know, that's what you see this movie for. This is what you want to feel afterwards. Not really not what you want to feel, but what this film aims to do, it achieve, I'll say it achieves it. Um, Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Very high recommendation. It may be in the list of September. Even though this film actually did come out in... I'm going to say August. Um, but I just didn't catch it till now. So, um, yeah, it might be... It's, it's, it's uh, very, very... We've had a really good list of solid sequels this year, and I'm very happy about that. Very good list of solid sequels. Or at least in the last two years. We've had... Sequels have actually been quite good. I'll say that. Alrighty. So, to go from that bleakness and move on to some happy, happy times, we have... Finally, we have uh, Hearts Beat Loud. Now, I was supposed to catch this one at the Sydney Film Festival earlier in the year, and I just didn't have, uh, I'll just, I think I mentioned the podcast earlier in the year, I didn't have enough money to go to it, so I missed, unfortunately I missed out, but um, this was on one of my, because I think I, I chose like six movies, and this was one of them to go see, because I heard it was doing really well, I think it played at Sundance, I think about it South By, I think one of those ones. And I think it did. It got really good uh, word of mouth from it. Critics' reviews were great, and um, I was, I'm a fan of Nick Offerman. And uh, I, I didn't mind Kirstie Clemens from Neighbors Two, and I've only seen her in that. But I love Nick Offerman, and I love Ron Swanson. So, uh, <laughs> and he's, he's he's also good in you know he's he's also good in other movies as well. Um, he, he I'm pretty sure he's the father in uh, Me Ill and the Dying Girl. So he's another father in this. Um, he's the father of Kizzy Clements' character of Sam. He plays a Sam Fisher. Oh my god, I just realized Sam Fisher. Holy shit. I just realized her name is fucking Sam Fisher. Anyway, if you're a fan of the Splinter Soul franchise, you know what I mean there. Um, Nick Offerman plays Frank Fisher. And uh, he used to be a musician. He is now the owner of a record store called Red Hook Records. Um, he has a landlord who is also played by Tony Collette, who is probably not as good as what she was in Predatory, but she's still, you know, a joy to watch in this. Um, you've also got Ted Danson as his mate who owns a bar, but it's mostly between the relationship between Nick Offerman as father and Kissy Clemens as his daughter, Sam, who is, he's more of like a carefree, like go over the flow kind of father, like what's happening tonight? Like, let's, you know, let's chill out or something like that, you know? Very chill, smokes in his store in front of the customers, kind of dude. But has a very, um, uh, very, uh, oh, I can't, a very strong passion for music. So that's that's there we go. Sam also has a strong passion for music, but she is more, let's just say, goal orientated. She is trying to go to, um, she's trying to get into uh, uh, a college to be a, a, a doctor. She wants to be a doctor, 
and um, she's actually doing a class before she goes to college. It's her like last week, I think, of summer before she goes to college. And um, what happens is they, they, these the far, uh, Sam and Frank like to have a jam sessions every now and then. Why not have a jam session? And Sam has written this really wonderful song called Hearts Beat Loud. And uh, they record it. And I'll just say... Uh, things happen from there. Things happen. This movie was another movie this year that just had me smiling from ear to ear the whole fucking time. Um, there is a few more kind of like like in Love, Simon, because I did convince Love, Simon in terms of like my happiness factor afterwards. I was just so filled with happiness after watching this movie. Um... Yeah, I uh, I was just I got the same kind of feeling in my like kind of gut. I was just like, I want to do shit today, <laughs> like kind of thing, you know. Yeah, I talked about Love Simon on the uh, one of the earlier podcasts and how I felt after watching that movie. Um, this one is another one. Wow. <clears throat> um, it was it was just so heartwarming and sweet. I love the relationship between uh, Sam and Frank. The however rocky it points. As I did say in one of my little in my little monthly recommendation. By the way, this is my monthly recommendation of September. As you've uh, as you've probably, if any of you've seen on Instagram, that is monthly recommendation, and most of these words are probably coming from that little thought um, process I had there with those uh, with that passage of words there. Um, but there's really there's some aspects of the film that I didn't really know about, which I really found to be more impactful in the story, and it really you know, um, solidified why this relationship between them is so special and, um, you know, why each character wants to do what they want to do and why their objectives are so, you know, why they want to achieve those objectives because each character has a motivation that is pretty much, I I would say they're both, um, powered from this same kind of, uh, aspect of their family history that, um, however, however, they want to go in different directions, um, because of what is, um, that aspect. Um, how much can you say with that small <laughs> A class by Carl Cruz. Um, I thought Sasha Lane was great as, uh, as her girlfriend Rose. She is a, a lesbian in this film. So, um, she has a girlfriend, uh, Rose. She meets Rose. She's an artist. And I thought Sasha Lane was great. I loved her in American Honey. And um, she's also in another good film this year, but I haven't seen yet, but I really, really want to see, called The Miseducation of Cameron Post, uh, with uh, Moretz, and I think it's the guy who played Nick in Love, Simon, I think? Or Zach, maybe? I mean, no, it's Zach from, it's Zach from Bigsby Bear. I don't know his name, because he's such a, he's such a great dude, I love watching him. Um, I didn't, I had no idea Clemens had such a powerful voice. And uh, she just blew me. Her voice blew me away in this movie. Um, I just and also like the songs are good. The songs are good. There's about three songs in it, and each one of them is great. One of them is a love song. One of them is a feel good song. Hearts beat loud. The title song is a great song. Um, plays throughout the majority of the film. Um, but I love the everything must go. I think one's called everything must go, and there's another one called the love song that she writes for Rose. Um. I don't know what that one's called, but that's a really... I thought that was really good too, and you really felt a heartbreak in Clemens' voice when she eventually does sing that song in the film. 
um, and it's just yeah. yeah this movie is just another one of those just if you want to feel good afterwards chuck it on um, yeah this is another another one this year just like Love, Simon I get the same feeling from this Love, Simon what if I get that same happy 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 feeling afterwards and I had a big smile after it finished I loved how it ended and uh, wow felt really good after if you want to feel good and just watch a it's it's a great movie like watch a great film Hearts Beat Loud it should be on your list and if you're a fan of Offerman because he's not just Ron Swanson um, and uh, if you've seen Kirstie Clemens before and you're like oh I wonder I want to check, check her out she's this is the film that's going to get her maybe even a few singles or anything maybe I don't know but um, yeah and again, Sasha Lane, I want to see her in that movie, that film, uh, Miss Education and Cameron Post, because I she was, I loved her in American Honey. However, that film was a little too long, in my opinion, but um, she was a standout in that. I think she was like, that was a, that was a debut, I think. So, yeah. But this, this movie, great. Check it out. One of the best of the year. Happy, happy, happy. I'll just say that. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> So, uh, let's end with... I'm pretty sure we have... Oh, yeah, I also watched uh, A24's... One of A24's new ones, Slice. It came out straight to digital. Again, didn't really make sense at times. Not that... Uh, I'll just say... I'll just go over quickly. It's, I'll, I'll consider another A24 dud like Hot, Hot Summer Nights um, earlier this year. Um, and I have a kind of idea why it did go straight to digital. The directing wasn't really strong. I thought Chance the Rapper was miscast um but at the same time like maybe he should remain in it because it's really not that great of a film i thought it was going to be kind of like that freaking freaks and answer situation because that movie's kind of shitty but it's, it's, it's like it's, it's like a guilty pleasure and you love to i'd love to watch my mate he's seen it like 17 times hey eh? freaks of nature with uh, Mackenzie davis nicholas braun and uh ness argens um i haven't seen that movie it's about it was, I think it was originally called kitchen sink and it's about like zombies and vampires and humans living together in harmony in the, in the town and then shit happens and then aliens come and then just fucking crazy, crazy shit. Um, the ending's like ridiculous, but it's like the whole film's fucking ridiculous, I'll be honest. But um, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I thought this was going to be another one, but unfortunately it's just, it's just shit. And I didn't really uh, like it that much. No, but just a throwaway film. Um, unfortunate for May 24, but you, you get those with May 24 sometimes. Um, and then finally, speaking of A24, tonight, I finally watched, but I've been waiting since January for, 8th Grade. Uh, this is Bo Burnham's directorial debut. I am a massive fan of Bo Burnham. Um, uh, from his YouTube videos to his specials, uh... Words, 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 what, make happy, especially make happy, because it was the first kind of comedy special that made me actually shed tears because of how fucking deep he got in that special. Stop it, Bo. Fucking make me cry, how dare you. Um, and this, I was just like, oh, he's making a movie now. Like, this is great. Like, this this is what he was going to do. Um, okay, this film's about a 14-year-old girl in 8th grade. Okay, weird, but I'll go with it. Oh, produced by A24? All right. <laughs> Uh, I finally watched it tonight. Uh, wow. If you thought his specials were good, what a strong doctoral debut from Bo. 
Um, the script is great, very relevant to the times. I haven't got notes about this one because I literally just watched it tonight. Um, I thought Elsie Fisher was fucking awesome. I loved Elsie Fisher. I fell in love with Elsie Fisher as uh, Kayla Day and her father, Josh Hamilton. Um, what was his name? Because <laughs> she just called him dad throughout the movie. Um, but Josh Hamilton was good as the father. At times, I think he could have been a bit more like tough on her, but I don't really, you know, really mind. It was just a little, little, you know, it was, it was, just, it was just a little, uh, what do you call it? Nitpick. There you go. That's what I'm looking for. Just a little nitpick there, but um, I thought, fucking, it was just a, such a really great view at young people nowadays, especially with social media, social media culture, um, and just being uh, that vulnerable, being at that age, going through all like those kind of problems, puberty, for example, being a big one, relationships, standing out from the crowd. Um, and I, I just, I just. Fucking, what a great casting choice with Elsie Fisher because I've never seen her before. This, I think this is the first one, I think. And wow, I've loved her. I cannot wait to see what she's in next because she was so fucking, just so well suited to this character of Kayla Day. And um, wow, strong choice from Bo. Um, it's a, it's a great, very funny script from Bo. Um, you know, it's what I really expect really from him, um, to make something like this. Well, I didn't really expect him to make this kind of film, but the script, when you kind of listen to the script and everything, when you're watching his specials, it's kind of the same thing you get with the specials. Um, uh, the, the score, who, the score by Anna, what's her name? Anna... Anyway, it's Anna somebody. I'm running out of time here, so it's uh, Anna somebody does the score. She's the score is a is fuck what a standout. I love the score. It's like this kind of um, kind of electronica kind of score um, that really goes well with like the I guess the modernness of the film. Uh, but it's like it's like building up at moments. I loved when he the I loved how how. Um, the sound design was also really good. Um, the uh, editing at points, love the editing at points. Oh man, that score just really stood out. The strength and the interactions between Elsie and these characters, the popular girls, the boy that she wants, the boy that she hangs out with, her friends. Um, I love the character that she was like her high school shadow. I loved her. I loved her little relationship there because it kind of just like reminded me of a relationship with like, uh, reminded me of that relationship with like, uh, older people. Cause I do have a lot of friends that are older than I am and we still get along really great. And because I'm only like 21 and I still remembered all my years in year eight when I, um, I attended St. Pius high school in Adamstown. And I remember my year eight. I was, uh, it was an awkward year. It was an awkward year. There was the likes for a likes on Facebook. There was, uh, there was the, um, you know, like this status and we'll tell you what we like about you kind of thing. A lot of things going on on Facebook, I'll say that. Uh, there was, you know, like really, um, there was the old high school relationships. Year eight was the prime time for that shit. Um, there was a lot about that. You know, you got and you had your you had your bullies. You had your 
and uh, yeah, I wasn't as, I feel fortunate to say that I wasn't as awkward as Kayla in this movie, but I felt so much for her. Everything that can go wrong for Kayla goes wrong in this movie. Um, but I'm not, it's not like crazy, like, it's not like everything goes wrong, but like, it's just unfortunate the, the circumstances that she finds herself in, that your heart just breaks watching her go through these interactions and their situations. And I just thought this movie was very, just, just like for a, for a debut from Bo, very, very good. And, uh, I, I'm very excited to watch it again. Um, hopefully with a, a crowd this time, because I watched it on my own. I actually... But again, it might not be for everyone, because I put this on for my 14-year-old sister. Uh, my dad, I, I knew he wasn't going to like it that much, because he's more in kind of action film and everything. Kind of turn your brain off kind of person. Um, but I thought, you know, it's about a 14-year-old girl going through year 8. My sister is 14 going through year 8. But she walked out after 15 minutes and said it wasn't the film for her. Didn't like it that much. And uh, I don't know. There was, I thought there was aspects in the movie that she would have you know, been related to. Maybe she'll like it better down the road when she starts. Because when I was... When I was... Uh, younger, I did... You know, I didn't watch these movies that I watch now. And I didn't... Uh, I, I, I don't I didn't appreciate I guess I didn't appreciate film as much as I do now and take notice of all these different things and have this passion and this love and being this massive cinephile that I am um, I didn't have that and um, it's you know that she has she has this film now that she could relate to but again uh, I guess it's just anything. Uh, I don't know. I tried to show her. I remember I tried to show her Lady Bird as well. She didn't like Lady Bird. Went, Lady Bird is so fucking good. Um, you know, Twitch Throne, I guess. Maybe she'll grow up one day and appreciate that. Yeah. I'd kind of given up, really, <laughs> showing her stuff. Um, but I loved 8th Grade. I loved it. Um, it wasn't... I don't know. I, I, I can't really think of... I think the only thing that I would say that would be the weak big weak part of it would probably be... I don't know if it'll be as relevant in a couple of years' time because there's a lot... It does depend on what, you know, 2017, 2018 kind of culture. Um, we're talking about Instagram, Snapchat, all that stuff. Filters. Um, words, terms. She says Gucci a lot. In her, in her little self-help videos. Um, yeah. But if I wasn't like like her, if I wasn't like her in year eight, there are definitely aspects of her character that I did experience in the, that, you know, that year. A um, little fun, fun little inf bit of information. <laughs> in year eight, I had to do a speech on... Um, it was in English class. We had to do a speech about a film and I chose to do Scarface and talk about Scarface. Now, during this time, I'm definitely sure this is year eight. Uh, I got, I, when I when I did my speeches, because I was also a drama student, I would, uh, you know, I would try to act it out and try and be a character and try to be as gay as I can with my audience. And, um... <laughs> I'd started doing this. I practiced it with all the mirror and everything. 
Um, and there's also little bits in this movie where she's like talking to herself in front of the mirror, trying to talk to... I found that very relatable because I did that quite a bit. Um, not like talking like that, but like practicing my speeches and my drama performances in front of the mirror. I did that. Um, I will own up to that. I did that shit. Um... Uh, so I started doing the speech and then I, I just blacked out, I think. I just, I don't remember much of it. And then I finished and I sat down and then my teacher was like, uh, well, that was good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for that call. Uh, right. Okay. Next one. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck happened? I didn't even, what happened? I actually, I actually blacked out. And then my friend was like, well, uh, you would, you left the classroom. And I was like, I left the fucking, What? And he was like, yeah, yeah, you started talking and then you just walked out. And I was like, I fucking what? I walked out? And then she goes, and then you're looking at like, I had a bit of a crush on someone in the front row of the class uh, in that um, that time. And I think I, he kept, he, he said, you kept looking at her and then he was just like, well, shit, I didn't mean to do, I didn't mean to do that. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, that was... It was really weird. And I was like, I actually, he goes, you walked out and then you just, I, I, he goes, you just went insane. I don't know what you were doing. You were doing the speech, but you, you kind of walked in and out of the classroom. You walked out for like maybe a minute then you came back in. You're doing it outside. Then you came back in. Then you kept walking in around. You're walking like around a, a lot. I said, I felt like I was acting it out though. He goes, you, you were not acting it out. I'm pretty sure you look like you escaped the mental asylum. And uh, you were trying to tell us about this one religion that you found. <laughs> like what the fuck man so thankfully I don't do that anymore and I and if I ever try to do that with any movie pictures uh, someone slap me in the face <laughs> because that would be that would be very quite quite embarrassing <laughs> to uh, to do that um, so that's a little bit of information about me and you're right I wasn't the most popular student, but I also wasn't... Um, I, I was very fortunate to be in that kind of middle. I had a really good group of friends who I'm still friends with, um, some of them, um, to this day. I was I was just fortunate to be in that middle. I, I wasn't the people that were picked on, although I was made fun of quite a bit. Um, but I also wasn't like... Obviously, like, what, who everyone was popular. And, like, high school had that, you know, those tiers of people. And you're like, oh, I wish I'd sit in that area. Because we had this year 10. I mean, well, we did sit in year 10 area for a bit when we were in year 10. Um, but we are just, like, certain areas, like, oh, we don't go there because they sit there. Or I was very nervous. I was very nervous around women, I'll tell you that. Around, or as you would call them back then, girls. Oh, girls. Ooh. Um, that was definitely the attitude of some people. Um, yeah, I just slipped on something. Uh, during that time. <clears throat> but I was very nervous. Uh, very, very fucking nervous. And I can say that I do have that bit of... I definitely have more self-confidence nowadays. Um, but I, I would still say that... I would still say that the ladies do make me nervous at points because, uh, you know, you have those situations. I've... I've, uh, you know, I've asked out someone. I've been turned down. Uh, it hasn't happened a few times. And uh, sometimes you've got to deal with it. It's hard. But uh, you got to deal with it. Because that's life. And then you just fucking move on. You just, uh, the train keeps on rolling, as they say. Um, right. That's eighth grade. 
Great film. F- fantastic ever from Bo Burnham. Um, if you haven't seen Bo Burnham, watch his specials. Words, words, words. What? Um, and... Um, uh, make happy. Make happy's gonna make... Might make you cry. Because it's very... Just... Fucking... Cr- it's so... Powerful. Some of the shit that he says in it. And this film is kind of like... I felt like this, this film was like... Kind of like an extension from that. Some bits of it, anyway. Not like the kind of overall message. But 8th grade was definitely had the same... I got the same kind of feeling watching 8th grade. I was smiling at points. I was like... Ugh, points. I was like... Great. Yeah, great film. And the score. My God, Anna. What's your name? <laughs> I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get your name. I don't give a fucking care. Aaron forty four. Shit. Okay. Um. Uh. Shit. Um. What's her name? I, it's gonna be really hard to find her score. Her um. Put her name in in the scoring here. Uh. Music soundtrack. Soundtrack. Ah, fuck, I don't know. Anna, somebody, you, sweetheart, you're fantastic score. Love it. Love it. Love the score. Very big standout. And Elsie Fisher. That that girl's going places. That girl's going places. And I can't wait to see what you do next, Bo. Can't wait wait to see what you do next. Uh, Very big inspiration in my eyes. Right. Um, That's pretty much it. I've talked about all the films. I did it in an hour and 44. Now we went 44 minutes over. But uh, I did it, so pat on the back for me. Uh, don't have to if you don't want to. Don't have to clap for me if you don't want to. That's fine. Um, but yeah, this is. I did have a note here that said this may podcast may be extra long, so maybe I did was kind of uh, banking on that bit happening. But there's a few trailers that came out. Uh, Fantastic Beast trailer that came out wasn't really you know the Nagini reveal. Could be good. I think it could have been more effective if it happened in the movie, but I, I see why Warner Brothers needs to get spots and seats because the first one didn't get... I think mean, it did make a bit of money, but I don't think it had... There's a few people that don't really don't like that movie, and I was one of them. Um, believe it or not, I just don't like the character of Newt. <sighs> oh, I know, right? <sighs> Kill me. Um, and, you know, people are going to be kind of off-put by Johnny Depp as uh, Grindelwald. But, uh, the trailer was good. I really liked the score, the violins. I love that. That was, that, was, that, was, that was shit. But the trailer, like, other than the Nagini, Nagini reveal, I thought the trailer was good. I think it could have done without the Nagini reveal, and I think we could have had the Nagini reveal in the movie. It could have been much more powerful, because that's a huge spoiler. But, you know, people want it. They want it, they've had with it, they had with it, but it just wasn't my thing. I did not like it. Dark Phoenix uh, came out as well. Uh, I don't know why this film is happening, to be honest. It doesn't need to happen. The trailer didn't do much for me either. I think it's going to be really rushed. I don't think they're doing the right thing with her character. Um, it looks like it's going to be like a lot of her being a nice girl and then like halfway through she's going to turn dark. Uh, it's just, I'm really worried about the writing and what the direction this character's in. Uh, Kimberg is taking these characters in. Uh, I really don't like when characters develop off screen. It's really fucking lazy screenwriting from a storytelling standpoint. And, um, yeah, I just have a lot of, I don't have really much nice things to say about the trailer. Mystique looks good. That's it. Really? Uh, but on the other, on the other good side, on the flip, on the good side, Creed Two trailer was really good. Love the Creed Two trailer. 
Um, we've got Adonis fighting Victor Drago. You've got Ivan Drago there as Dolph Lundgren's in it. Tessa Thompson's back. Looks solid. Um, yeah, good trailer. Didn't really give that much away. Loved it. Good trailer. So we had one good trailer, one shit trailer, and one kind of okay trailer in the middle. Loved, I liked the score. <laughs> and I liked some bits that I saw with the beast and stuff. I like that little, like, that thing reminded me of uh, where the wild things are, that, that one. I like that look at that one. That was cool. Um, and that's about it, guys. We're really in reaching two hours. So if you want to listen to this amount, my voice for this long amount of time, I really fucking appreciate that. Wow, that's that's great of you to do that. Um, but if you don't want to, that's fine. You can list, you can skip to certain points. I don't know when this podcast will be going up. I'll probably be going up tomorrow. I've got to pretty much after this, I've got to go to sleep, so I don't really have time to come up with like a description and everything for the podcast and to upload at the cast box. But um, I've got to get, a, I've got to start early tomorrow. It's about a seven-hour shift, so I'll do it after work. This podcast will be going up probably about seven o'clock tomorrow night, and um, which is when you'll hear it. It'll be seven o'clock tomorrow night, or whenever you fucking decide to listen to it. But um, it won't be going up straight away. I'll just say that when we go straight away. I'll probably just record this and head to bed, I think. So that's it. We actually got through it. I got through. Holy shit, how many films did I get through? Um, I got through it. There wasn't too many tangents. Um, maybe there was a few, but there wasn't as much as I would hope. There would. Uh, I, I anticipated there to be. Um, sorry, I'd say thought there were to be. But I hope you got some recommendations out of here. Um, definitely check out the movies that I really raved about. Um, that last one, 8th Grade. It's out in digital right now. It's out on iTunes. You can watch it right now. It's so good. Um, and so, so heartwarming. But also heartbreaking. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. If you want to, just, if you want to, like, a pick out of these, uh, Mandy. Just, uh. Have fun with that ride. Oh boy, have fun with that ride. And um, the other ones that I mentioned, check those out. The August movies, um, check out the September movies in a couple of days. So my heart's beat loud. Monthly recommendation went out maybe like two days ago when I watched it. And uh, the top five probably will be going out Monday. So stay tuned on Monday or Tuesday if you follow me on Instagram at Kyle Cruz. You can see that. I'll put also put it up on my... I'm going to start putting up my link recommendations up on my Facebook public page. So you can go and follow Kyle Cruz Public on there. Don't, don't friend my personal, please. Uh, follow the public page. Go on Instagram. Follow Kyle Cruz on the public... Uh, on the Instagram. And also, you can check me out on Letterboxd. I do uh, a lot of reviews now on Letterboxd of every movie that I see. The last one, I think, was Mandy. And uh, I'll probably do on a Heartbeat Loud. Chuck that one in. And I'll we'll probably chuck one in. Chuck one... Um, for 8th grade as well. I'm pretty active in Letterboxd now. I wasn't really active before. I'm pretty active on it now. And I'm happy to say from now on, I'm going to try to be as active as I can be on the podcast, hopefully going for a weekly or bi-weekly at least. Uh, but you'll get it when you get it. I promise there's going to be more of it if you want more of it. That's it. <laughs> that is. Um, but I'm, I love talking about this. So, you know, you know me. I love film. Love talking about it. Love having the discourse with people. Um, you can send in a message if you want to. I can answer any questions. And um, have a great week, guys. Have a great weekend. And um, if I can, I'll talk to you next Thursday.
or next Friday. All right, guys, have a good one.